morning, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we just finished uh, talking about the five hindrances, and it occurs to me that there is my one of my personal hindrances, which is at the top of the list, is the Julian Woods Lane. <laughs> I've lived with that hindrance for <laughs> many years um, here at Oan. And uh, so you've overcome that hindrance um, this morning. You, you, earn, you earn lots of merit uh, <laughs> in your practice. And, and uh, Noah, you earn bonus, <laughs> bonus points. <laughs> Thank you very much. And apologies for... Um, the demands of practice are amazingly endless and varied and always as as if sitting isn't difficult enough um, all these hindrances in our way so much gratitude uh, for your efforts we have uh, left the hindrances uh, (laughs) and have begun um, to address the uh, 16 Buddhist precepts, um, largely because it's always a good idea to revisit those precepts, and also because one of our Sangha members, uh, who isn't here today, has asked to receive the precepts and has graciously agreed to um, bring us all along with him. And it is said that when anyone in the Sangha receives precepts, everyone receives precepts, whether they choose to bring people along or not. Um, It's not something that one does in isolation or by oneself, one with all beings, um, including our Sangha. So we've begun to look at um, and talk about the 16 precepts. And last week, uh, I talked about the, um, uh, the three treasures, the return to the three treasures, the uh, three refuges. I'm going to pass around, uh, take a copy of this, because each of you should have a copy of these 16 precepts um, as they're formulated in our lineage and as they will be received by uh, anyone who receives precepts in our Sangha. The first three precepts um, are the most, you could say, the most general of the precepts, and we chant the refuges in our closing circle. And you'll notice that they're repeated three times. Um, So it's, I take refuge in Buddha, I take refuge in Dharma, I take refuge in Sangha. And taking refuge is returning to your true nature, 
your true place in the world. And you'll see that the last series of um, statements say, return to Buddha completely. And I, I'm going to just, since I talked about these last week, I'm not going to dwell very long on these, except to say that these three refuges are a way of entering the realm of practice. They are, when you take the refuges, when you, when you take refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, you're saying, in effect, I am intending to live in a certain way. I am intending to act in a certain way. I am entering the realm of Buddhist practice. And they're repeated three times. And I like to think of this as almost as if you're entering, you know, sometimes when you enter the ocean or you enter a pool or a pond or a swimming pool and it's very cold and you put one foot in, you test the water and then you slowly put the other foot in and, the, and suddenly you've you know, got both feet in and then, I know I do this and I've seen a lot of people do this, then you just plunge in. <laughs> you just put your whole body in, you don't, you don't go that slowly. So the first time you say, I take refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, it's like, okay, I'm going to put my, my foot in, my leg in. And the second time, I'm going to put my other leg in. And I'm going to go in, yeah, I am intending to swim. And the third time is plunging into the water. Just, I'm, I'm giving myself completely. Uh, and I'm going to allow the ocean, the pool, the pond to just engulf me. And so that's the spirit of the first three uh, refuges, the first three precepts. Um, The next three are from this, this present body, through to the awakened body of all beings, I vow to embrace and sustain right conduct, embrace and sustain every good, embrace and sustain all beings. These, this threefold pure precepts are getting a little bit more specific than just I'm entering the realm of Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. They are making a commitment to, to put it very generally, to being good, to being a good person, to acting rightly, to sustaining goodness, and to establishing a a good relationship to all things, to all beings. 
the fact of the matter is that there are what are called three Dharma gates. There is sila, which is morality. There is samadhi, which is concentration. And prajna, which is wisdom or insight. And in traditional practice, you begin your practice with the reception of the precepts, receiving precepts. So before you even begin to meditate, samadhi, you you cultivate goodness. You cultivate a moral character. Um, And that comes first. A lot of us think that first we start to meditate and we sit and we sit and we sit and if we sit long enough, then we can receive precepts. But actually in traditional practice, it doesn't go that way. You begin with receiving the precepts and making a commitment to living a good life, to being a good person. And then your sitting becomes an expression, a cultivation of that goodness. So, you've heard the phrase, um, easier said than done. For me, the precepts are about doing, not just understanding, not just um, sitting and watching your thoughts and watching how your mind works. The precepts are about actually putting something into practice, actually doing it. So we often say, well, that's easier said than done. I can understand that, but it's really hard to do it. (laughs) And we have a faculty within us called the will. It's that faculty that decides, that actually intends something, that says, I'm going to do this, not just that I understand something, but I'm going to actually do it. And that is very difficult. And that's why the precepts are somewhat difficult, because they require that you actually will something. You act in a certain way. And I like to quote the, the beginning of Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, where Robert Persick um, refers to Plato's dialogue, the Phaedrus, and he says, Do, does anybody need to teach us what is good and what isn't good? Does, does anybody need to tell us what is right and what isn't right? What is moral and what isn't moral? Can we, is this something we read in a book and that we can learn from a teacher? And his answer in the end is no. Nobody can teach us what is good 
and what isn't good. That we, this is fundamental to our nature. We know deep down inside in our will what is good and what isn't. And if we're in touch with ourselves, we immediately know. Not knowing intellectually, but knowing in our gut what is right and what is wrong. These are fundamental things that we that we don't we don't learn from books or teachers. They're just part of being human. And when we receive these precepts, we vow to cultivate that goodness. As we recite in the Loving Kindness Sutra, may all beings be happy. That is living in the world with goodwill. Thank you. Um, For me, I get to practice a lot of this intention and this cultivation of will in Wegmans. Wegmans is is a really, um, it's a zendo for me. And (laughs) it's also a practice place. And I like to give the example of... um, using the bulk foods area. Um, A friend of mine once told me that she managed to um, buy a pound of chocolate-covered ginger, uh, which was outrageously expensive, by substituting (laughs) the number of the bin next to it, which was a lot cheaper, And she was able to justify this because she felt that Wegmans was overcharging on the chocolate-covered ginger. And I was pretty impressed by by this. She was also a a Buddhist. Um, She no longer lives in State College, but she and I used to talk a lot about precepts. And I decided to try it. I happened to like chocolate-covered ginger and always avoided buying it because it was so expensive. So I went ahead and filled up a bag with some and used another number, not the number on the bin of chocolate-covered ginger. And as soon as I started to put that ginger on the scale with this different number, immediately I felt, this is wrong. This is... No one had to tell me, no one had to teach me that this was stealing. It just... It just... I just knew it was wrong. 
And of course, I had many opportunities. I, I still did it. <laughs> and this is a sort of a curious thing, which we all, I think, have experienced, that we feel something is wrong, that we're behaving poorly, but we go ahead and do it anyway, in full knowledge, in full feeling. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I did. I did do it. And I had lots of opportunities as I was wheeling my cart through the supermarket to take it back, to redo the whole experience, um, to even, um, I the cashiers, to admit that I put down the wrong number, but I didn't. I didn't do any of that. I walked out of Wegmans with the chocolate-covered ginger at the wrong price. And I felt awful. And I asked myself, why why did I do that? Why did I allow myself to know what was wrong and still do it, despite that? And I examined the feeling behind that, and it was, there was an element of ego, a big element of ego in that action of, oh, I can do this. I'm, I'm powerful. I can break the rules. I don't, I'm out there on my own. I don't have to, I don't have to uh, submit to the prices that Wegmans puts on their products. And so there's this sense of inflation of, the, of your separation, of my separation from everything. Oh, I'm, yeah, look what I did. I, I committed this little minor crime, but I'm a powerful person. But of course, that, for me, that didn't last very long because I had to live with that that deep gut feeling. And, of course, when I went to eat the chocolate-covered ginger, it, it didn't taste very good at all. So... How do, how do we function in the world bearing this goodwill, this will that says, may all beings be happy, may I act with um, uprightness, may I act in accordance with what... F- what I know feels right 
and what doesn't feel right? How do, how do I deal with times that I lie, I steal, I do something that in my heart, in my will, I know is wrong, I know isn't promoting the happiness of all beings. These precepts um, remind us of cultivating this goodwill. What ha- what happened to me when I, what happens to me often when I do something that I know isn't good? It's almost as if there's a blind spot that comes on. Like suddenly you're blinded and you just, like I remember taking flowers from the greenhouse because I was in a rush. They weren't my flowers. But a kind of blindness came over me and I just, I just took it. There is, the ego has a blindness about it. It says, I'm separate from everything. I'm more important than everything. I don't have to be aware. I just do what I want to do in the world. And our practice is the practice of awareness. So when I go to the ginger bin... I go with an awareness. I, I don't allow that blind spot, that blindness to overtake me and allow that ego to kick in and just make me feel really powerful. So our practice is a, is a mindfulness practice, is the cultivation of that may all beings be happy. May, may I treat all things, whether it be multinational corporations, <laughs> whether it be a teacup, whether it be a log that gets put under a wheel, uh, whether it be a person, um, whether it be a, chocolate, a bag of chocolate-covered ginger, may I cultivate an awareness of my connection with all beings. As our sutra says, may they be in high, middle, or low realms of existence, small or great, visible or invisible, near or far. So these three precepts are not just I I wish for the happiness of all things. I wish for the well-being of all things. But a commitment, a decision to do, to do good, not just to know that This is what ought to be done. And of course, 
we have opportunities to do every moment. Even in the moments that seem kind of trivial, like pulling chocolate-covered ginger out of the bulk bin. And I'm sure you can think in your own life of many what seem to be minor opportunities to actually get in touch with what is good and right and what isn't. And this is the foundation of our practice. It's not only the foundation, but it's the it's the whole point of our practice. The foundation to be a good person. And the point of our practice to be a good person. And my mother's last words before she passed on, which is kind of very curious, because my mother um, took a lot of liberties in her life um, with the excuse of having been having lived through the depression and having to really scrape by and um, took a, lo- a lot of liberties to sort of um, kind of beat the system <laughs> uh, to somehow yeah. use, the, use the prevailing system to, for her own personal gain. But before she died, she looked at my brother and me and she just said, be good. Be good. It's so simple. And you just say, be good. Be, be good people. Like the Dalai Lama said, my religion is kindness. It's so so simple. And it's often said about this precept, of course, a five-year-old could understand this. Do good things, embrace, embrace what is good, love all beings, treat all beings well. It's the simplest thing in the world, and yet... Easier said than done. Easier said than done. And doing is practice. That's why we say this is a practice. This, what we do is not an intellectual exercise. It's not theoretical. It's a practice. So it is about doing, about being a good person. And so you can understand why you all, (laughs) in some sense, are receiving the precepts before you even sit down to meditate. There is this deep intention 
to be a good person. And that is what we practice together. It's at the bottom of it all. So how many of you uh, like chocolate-covered ginger? (laughs) (laughs) I should have brought some. I actually bought some online at the regular price. (laughs) And I should have brought some over. It's really exceptional. Chocolate-covered ginger. So that was my my penance. <laughs> <laughs>